Good morning. Welcome. Yes, will you stand with us? Psalm says he puts a new song in my heart, a song of praise to him. So will you sing with us this morning? Let's sing wherever we go. Sing wherever I go. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Good. Okay, let's try that again. All right. I may, I'm going to make everyone stand up and do jumping jacks if I don't hear a little bit more pep in your step on that. How's everyone doing today? Good, good, awesome. It is so good to see everybody. Hope everyone's had an awesome week and an even better weekend. And it's so good that you all are here in the Lord's house being able to worship with us um, and gather around God's word together. Um, I hope you're excited and you're expecting great things this morning because when we approach the Lord in any shape or form, we can expect good things at all times because he is good. All my life, all I know, God has been good and he's so good. He is so good. Amen? Man. Hey, if you're a first-time guest or a guest, been coming for a few weeks, and you haven't already, in the chair back in front of you is a little Connect card. We would love for you to fill that out because we want to get to know you and your family, and uh, we want you to be able to take that card back to the back after service um, and hand it off at the little Connect table. Uh, we want to give you a Chick-fil-A card and mug and then just tell you about our church because we have a lot of cool things going on um, and a lot of awesome stuff about to happen and we want you to be in the know. So if you could do that for us right after service, that would be great and we would love to meet your family. But right now, we're going to enter into uh, this time of worship and praise. Um, and again, I'm so excited. My prayer for you this morning is this, is that your encounter with Jesus today is special. It's really special and that God begins right now and you are prayerfully, willingly, um, and ready for God to open your heart right now so we can be the people that he wants us to be as, as he speaks to us, all right? So let's stand and pray and ask for God's anointing on our services together. Love you guys. It's so good to see you. Let's pray. 
God, I'm so thankful for our church family in this place, God. You brought us back together, and um, I know, again, that you have something special here for us today, God. So I begin to go, f- go before us and prepare the way uh, for our hearts to be able to be receptive to the word that is preached today. Be with our pastor, God. We love him so much. And as he speaks boldly the message that you have, again, prepare us, God, because we want to be a light to this world. We can only do that with the strength that you give us that you give. So Lord, uh, we love you so much. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back together. We love you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise. Let me say this morning, thank you for making church a priority. Yeah. And um, for teaching your kids, for teaching your grandkids that it's important that you get up and that you come to the house of the Lord. So while we're here together today, I just pray that you'll join in the worship. Don't watch us. And we talked this morning about it doesn't matter if you know the right notes. And, you know, we don't know them all the time either. <laughs> but we're making a joyful noise to the Lord. And we want you to participate today. Give God everything you've got. Give him your best. Let's shout it out this morning.
remember this morning that you have always been faithful, that you have never failed us. And we find ourselves in difficult times, Father, that we turn to you, our shelter, our rock, the one that is higher than I. Lord, we love you this morning in this place. We pray that your spirit has freedom to move here. We be attentive to what you have to say. Just anoint our pastor this morning. Just fill him with what you want him to say. Pray that we would be moved, we'd be changed, and we could say it has been great to be in your house worshiping with fellow believers. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Give the band a big hand. These guys are awesome, man. Love these guys. Great job. Good deal. Everybody good? Fantastic. Glad that you're in the Lord's house today. What did you do yesterday? Did you have fun yesterday? Anybody go out and have, do anything fun? You're just all funny duds, aren't you? I had fun yesterday. I, I went to, to Old Fort Gun Club and did some cowboy action shooting. You may not know cowboy action shooting. Ask me afterwards. I'll tell you all about it. It's a great time. Had, uh, had 14 people in our posse, and we shot six different stages. We go to a stage. I generally read the scenario, and then we shoot it, and it's all kinds of fun. There, there's a stage out at the Old Fort Gun Club that the Judge Parker's marshals shoot that's called Cavanaugh Church. Did y'all know that? We have a church out at Old Fort Gun Club. Really, it, there's a sign that says Cavanaugh Church, Pastor Holy Smoke. And uh, so we, we shoot the, the church stage. And always, every month when we go out there, uh, I give them a little sermon because we're in the church. And generally, it is a synopsis or a very short version of the sermon that I'm going to give the next day on Sunday. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why don't you give us the synopsis, all right? Why don't you give the short version here? Well, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe I will one day come back next week. And so anyway, I, I told them yesterday, I said, if you come to the real Kavanaugh Church tomorrow, here's what I'm going to preach about. How to stay thankful in a grumbling world. That's what I'm going to preach about. How to stay thankful in a complaining world. Well, <laughs> they were more excited about it than you are. I mean, really, all those 14 people said, wow, really, that, that sounds great. And you know what it did? It spurred six separate con conversations that I had throughout that day with cowboys and cowgirls who, who experienced this, wanted to know more about it, who shared with me the problems that they were having in this world. So today, here it is, how to stay thankful in a world that just gripes and grumbles and complains. Okay, a little bit better. I've, I've been in the pastorate for over half of my life, and I know a little bit about grumbling and complaining. <laughs> and, and it's not the way you think. It, it's not that I have a lot of people coming and grumbling and complaining to me. In fact, I, I really don't. Thank you for that. You know now to go to Jason and talk to him about it, so I appreciate that. No, here's the problem. The problem is that my own heart tends to grumble and complain. I, I don't know what it is, but, but like that, just like that, I can get into a foul mood and suddenly I'm not happy with anybody or anything. Does anybody else deal with that? Come on, raise your hand if you do. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's a problem. Y'all like poetry? Okay, thank you, Jason. I, I can always count on you. I, I, I'm not a poet. You know that little phrase, I'm a poet and didn't know it? That ain't me, man. I, I try to write poems because I was told in college that every good sermon has three points in a poem. So I've disappointed y'all for 25 years because I don't do poetry, all right? 
I just, I struggle with it. David, I, I try to write poems for my beloved wife, and they're always a flop. I mean, they're, they're horrible. I just, I can't, I can't do poetry, but I found a poem I love. Can I share it with you? It was written 130 years ago by this lady by the name of Ella Wilcox. And I mean, it's, it has become, it has become my favorite poem. So let me just share it with you. There was a boy named Grumbletone who ran away to sea. I'm sick of things on land, he said, as sick as I can be. A life upon the bounding wave will suit a lad like me. Isn't this good? The seething ocean billows failed to stimulate his mirth, for he did not like the vessel nor the dizzy rolling berth. And he thought the sea was almost as unpleasant as the earth. He wandered into foreign lands. He saw each wondrous sight. But nothing that he heard or saw seemed just exactly right. And so he journeyed on and on, still seeking for delight. He talked with kings and ladies fair. He dined in courts, they say. But always found the people dull and longed to get away to search for that mysterious land where he would like to stay. He wandered over all the world. His hair grew white as snow. He, he reached that final born at last where all of us must go, but never found the land he sought. The reason you would know? The reason was that north or south, where'er his steps were bent, on land or sea, in court or hall, he found but discontent. For he took his disposition with him everywhere he went. Isn't that great? Let's hear it for old Grumbletone, man. Well, here's the problem. You want to know the problem? The problem is we are all imperfect people. Raise your hand. And you have to deal with imperfect people. In a very imperfect world. So how in the world do we maintain a healthy disposition when we are living in a world full of grumbling people and circumstance? Well, here's the answer. It's by cultivating a healthy, vital relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. It all starts in a personal relationship with Jesus we understand that we, we are sinners alienated from God. And more than anything else, we need Jesus in our life. And so we pray that prayer. We repent of our sins. We ask Jesus to save us. And he comes into our life. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. We now have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. He is our heavenly father. His son Jesus is our savior. The Holy Spirit abides within us. And every day we are living by faith, and every day we are cultivating that relationship. Now, what I'm talking about this morning is a spiritual issue. One of the conversations I had yesterday with, with, a, with a cowboy, he says, man, this, this world is going to pot. How, how in the world can we make this world a better place? And I thought, well, dude, I just preached a whole series of sermons on that. You make it a better place one person at a time because we don't have really a political issue that's our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is a spiritual issue. And when people's hearts change, then the ripple effect is that it changes our world. And a good place to illustrate what I'm talking about today is a psalm. It's Psalms 61. It's a psalm that King David wrote. It's only eight verses long, so look, let's look at it together this morning. Here's what David said, Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Can I, can I just stop right there and say amen to that? I love that. For you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And then there's that Hebrew word selah. Selah really means there. What do you think about that? All right? So there, what do you think about that? 
For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your holy name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Lord, I'm changing the way I'm thinking, and I'm going to praise your name so that I can live my life for you. In the very first verse of Psalm 61, the writer David had a whole lot of stuff he could complain about. In fact, he was overwhelmed by opposition. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Listen to what he said. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. That right there tells me that David was facing something rough. He was facing something tough. He had some real visible problems in his life. I really don't know what it was. I don't know the powerful opposition he was facing, but he felt overwhelmed. What was the problem? Again, we don't know, but we get a little better insight in the next few words because he went on to say, from the end of the earth, I will cry out to you. Now, that's interesting to me because he didn't say from my home I will cry out or from the holy city I will cry out or from Jerusalem I will cry out. No, he said from the end of the earth. This indicates to me that he wasn't in Jerusalem. He wasn't in his home, his holy city. I don't know where he was. Maybe, maybe it was when he was running from King Saul. Remember when David was a young man and God had called him and ordained him king? Problem was, there was already a king, King Saul. And Saul hated David, and, and so he was chasing David. David was chased by the entire army of Israel. He was living on the lamb. He was in fear of his own life. He was facing the brutal elements of the desert, encompassed by a thousand foes. And just a couple of months ago, I was there where David was running. I, I was there where he was hiding. And let me tell you, it is a barren land. I, I just looked around and I got a little overwhelmed because I thought of David on the run, David on the lamb, what he was facing here. Can you imagine having an entire army chasing you? FBI's after you. Just thought I'd throw that in for whatever it's worth. And you're running, you're, you're hiding. Maybe that was the circumstance. Or it might have been written when he was out on the battlefield somewhere and the war was raging and, and going on and, and he felt overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe his men were falling like flies. Maybe the enemy had him completely surrounded. He was overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way when, when enemies are all around you and the chief enemy, the devil, has surrounded you, or it might have been written when he was running from his own son, Absalom. Now, Stacy, this, this part of the story has always intrigued me in the Word of God. I, I cannot imagine having one of my kids want to kill me. I've been so good to him. You know, David had been good to Absalom. But still, he wanted the kingdom. He wanted to usurp his father. And so he, he rose up his own army, and they were chasing King David with the intent of killing him. You want to talk about being overwhelmed, afraid of your own life, and afraid of one of your offspring killing you? My goodness. I don't know what it was, but David was on the run, and he was overwhelmed by opposition. He went on to say that very word. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed. You know, it's at moments like this in my sermon that I just, I just wish it was just me and you. And we were, we were maybe drinking coffee and having a bagel. And we talked about what's overwhelming you. Because chances are, you've got something. 
And, and if you don't have it right now, hang on, because you're going to have something. This just overwhelms you. It's a, it's a problem of perplexity. It's, it's, it's bigger than you are, and you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do. Now, here's the cool thing. God, God made us with enough stuff inside of us that we can deal with problems that come into life because that's what we face every day. You face, you face problems every day, don't you? But generally, Freddie, you're healthy enough mentally and spiritually and physically to handle those daily problems that come into your life. The problem is, is when the floodgates are open, the dam bust, and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed by all kinds of problems. And you just throw your hands up because you don't know, you don't know what to do. Anybody in here like that? I don't know, it may be for you a financial issue. If you think it's bad, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, I think it's about to get a little worse. Have you ever noticed, have you noticed recently that things at the grocery store cost a little more? <laughs> Angie went to the store last night. She came home, honked the horn. I went out to the, to the car to unload the stuff. There, there weren't that many bags. Really, there weren't that many bags. And here's what she said. She said, you won't believe how much I just spent at the store. And look at how few bags we have. And I mean, there, there, there was not that many bags. And she said, I didn't, I didn't even buy anything that's expensive. You know how much I spent? And I've, I've, Ronnie, I've learned not even to guess anymore. It, how much was it? You're not going to say it out loud? what it was over 300 over 300 stinking dollars for me and you and the grandkids when they come over there was a few there was some snacks in there for them but I mean it was it wasn't there was no steak there was no t-bone there was no filet mignon there was no salmon in there and, and I, 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 I just need to regurgitate this for a second have you noticed that that maybe it's not more expensive, but there's less content than what there used to be? They do. It's like the bag of Fritos that she showed. It's shrunk. The bag has shrunk. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a one meal setting of Fritos, but it costs the same. Joy, in my, in my power bars that I get, they used to put six of them in every box, four now. Does that irritate you? Because I'm telling you, it irritates me. And, and I mean, it, it may be right now, for you, you're, you're looking at your bills, and you're looking at how much is coming in, and, and they don't match up anymore. You can be overwhelmed. And if it's not just that, it could be physical issues. Our prayer list here at Kavanaugh Church continues to grow every day of people who are having medical issues, and, and some of them are so bizarre, they can't figure out what's going on in these people's bodies. I, I have an explanation for it, but I don't want to bore you with it today. I mean, those physical problems can add up and be overwhelming to you. Maybe your problem is domestic. It's in your home. School has just started. Boy, that opens up a can of worms, doesn't it? It may be job-related. The list goes on and on and on. And again, you can handle one or two little problems a day, but when the dam busts open and you're overwhelmed, what in the world do you do? Well, maybe we can learn a lesson from David in Psalm 61. We remember when we are opposed and overwhelmed that we can run to the rock. That's what David did. David visualized himself enclosed with the protective, providential grace of Almighty God. And in his mind, that took him to four different scenes, four different pictures. Now, David was a poet. He was an artist. He could play the harp. He could write poems. And so I'm sure that David could visually see these four pictures. And that's what he uses for us, four different pictures of God himself. And I'm going to share these with you, hoping that you can grab hold of one or two of these pictures of God and use them for yourself when you are overwhelmed. See where we're going? 
First of all, David compares his God to a rock. Look at verse 2. When I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Every time I read that, I've got to say amen because I I just love the wording there. When I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. And the picture here seems to have been a rock maybe out in a body of water or in the ocean. And here is a man who is overwhelmed. The the waves are beating over his head, and he's sinking. His feet can't touch the ground, and he's starting to panic. He needs to be lifted up. He needs to be on a rock that is large and sturdy and strong enough to shelter and protect him. And David is saying, there is such a rock. And that rock has a name. It's God Almighty. I don't know, maybe you can visualize that yourself. Have you ever been out in the ocean or in the lake or even in the swimming pool and all of a sudden you kind of slip or you go down and water goes up your nose? And if you're like me, you start freaking out thinking you're going to drown because of what my sister did to me when we were little kids in the swimming pool. I told you this before, but it's been a long time. My cousin and my sister had me, they pushed me down under the water. One was pushing my head, the other pushing my feet. My mother and my aunt were up under the pavilion talking and not paying attention that William Richard was drowning in the swimming pool. And finally they saw, they ran over there and made Pam and Sharita release me. And I was gagging and coughing and throwing up. I thought I was dead. You know what their response was? I, remember those, those life jackets that were just the round little tube that went around you right here, the waist jackets? I had one of those on. They said, well, we thought that would save him. Well, that part of me was above water, but everything else was, was below water. So now when I get water in my nose and, and in my face and in my mouth, I, I feel overwhelmed. David said, when that happens, understand that God is a solid rock. And when you climb on top of God, you can get above the waves. Maybe you can get that picture in your head. Second, he goes on immediately to use another image. He says in verse 3, for you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower for my enemy. So the image here is a, a shelter, one that is high, one that is enclosed in a tower. In Bible times, a sturdy tower was built into the city walls, and it was just about the safest place that you could go and be. So when an enemy attacked your city, if you wanted to be safe and feel safe, you would go to the tower. It was strong, steadfast, safe. You could climb up in the tower, and they had little portals and little windows so that you could throw things out on the enemy and crush their heads, shoot arrows at them. It was the safest place that you could be. And the Bible repeatedly refers to our God as a strong tower. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. So so maybe you can get this image in your head. When you are overwhelmed by problems and perplexities, you need to run to that tower that rock tower where you can feel safe on the inside. The third image is in verse number four. He said, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. You you remember the tabernacle, the tent tabernacle? It represented the real presence of Almighty God. And so when they viewed the temple or saw the temple, they knew that that's where God was. And that's what David is saying here. I'm going to abide in your tabernacle. When when problems come, Lord, I'm running to your house. So let let me kind of just modernize this a little bit. Where are we at? We're in church. We call this God's house. And it is. You know, nothing in this room is really holy. I watched this room being built 
for a year and a half. Every day I would come over here and walk through, and I, I saw the whole process. Jason, you were here. You, you know, it, we know that this concrete is not sacred concrete. Nothing holy about it. Those soundboards on the wall, they're, they're cool, they look neat, but they're not holy soundboards. We got a couple of projectors up here. I, I love these projectors, man. Don't, don't let me catch you messing with our projectors. They, they do that. To me, that's incredible. Two projectors are doing that. Isn't that I don't want to tell you how much they cost. They're insured. But there's nothing holy about those projectors. We, we have state-of-the-art uh, state sound in here. At least when we bought it, it was state-of-the-art. It's outdated by now, but it was a joke. There's nothing holy about these wires. This stage is pretty cool. Did y'all know there's trap doors up here? They're, they're up underneath here, but you can open these doors and climb down there. Jason, Jason knows all about what's under this stage. He's crawled around it on his knees and belly, and I can let him down there blind, and he can find his way out. <laughs> it's a great stage. You know there's nothing holy about this. There's, there's nothing holy about anything in this room, but it's a holy room. Because we've dedicated it to God. I was in here last night. I come in every Saturday evening and preach my sermon. Did you know that my best sermon is on Saturday nights? I'm preaching to an empty room, but man, I just, I just, I just give it everything I've got and preach hard. And man, I've had so many conversions on Saturday night. Nobody in here. But during that time and after that time, I just I walk through this place and I say, I pray the prayer, Lord, I pray that you'd fill this room up with people tomorrow. But more than that, I pray that you would fill this room with your presence. Nothing holy about this building, but this is a holy place. It's where we worship God. Can I, can I tell you, when I'm overwhelmed... When I have the multitude of problems that just come crashing down on me and I don't have an answer, I don't know what to do, I can't find the solution, you know what I do? I'll march myself right down into this room and it's usually right over here. At this altar that I'll lay it out before the Lord. I'll say, God, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I need wisdom. I need your help. Please, please give me guidance. Give me an answer. Show me what to do. And did you know that every single time I do that, an answer comes? So here's the point. When you're overwhelmed, think about this place. When you need divine help, no matter what time it is, and we're here, you come knock on the door and we'll let you in. You can come in here and pray. And if you can't get here physically, you know what? You can have this image in your mind of being in the house of the Lord and realize that God is the same in your pickup truck as he is in this room. And you can cry out to him. Maybe that's a picture you can connect with. There's a fourth and final picture in verse 4b. David said, I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Now, to me, this is the most unusual picture of them all because it's rather strange to go from rocks and towers and tabernacles to feathers. <laughs> but this is one of the Bible's favorite pictures, and I'd just like for you to think about it for a moment. This was one of the Bible promises that comforted and encouraged missionaries who were trapped behind the bamboo curtain following the communist takeover of mainland China. They found comfort in this verse and others like it. For example, Psalm 91, verse 4, which says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Or what about this one in Psalm 17, verse 8? Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Or what about this one in Psalm 57? 
be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. And then a thousand years later, David's great descendant, Jesus of Nazareth, said to the people of Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So as everyone else was talking about the bamboo curtain of communism, these missionaries were talking about the feather curtain of God Almighty. When we are opposed and overwhelmed by the fiery darts of the devil, we are also sheltered within the feather curtain of Almighty God. You know, occasionally I come across a Christian who has figured this out. That they've realized that, yeah, I'm going to be overwhelmed and oppressed by the evil one, deeply disturbed by personal difficulties. Their world may be falling apart around them, but they can testify that through it all, they have this inner strength, this inner peace that God is their refuge and that the Lord is going to take care of them no matter what happens in their life. And God is going to use all these things for his good in his kingdom. You know how they can do that? They figured it out. They're hiding under the feather curtain of God's wing. That's an amazing place to be under God's feather curtain. David figured it out here in Psalm 61. He was overwhelmed, but he found shelter in the grace of God. And as a result, we can say a third thing about David. He was transformed and able to sing praises to God. Look at the way this psalm ends in Psalm 61, verses 5 through 8. For you, O God, you've heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. What a difference from the beginning of this psalm to the end of this psalm. There at the beginning, he was complaining. He was grumbling. He was griping because he was overwhelmed. But now he's praising God. I think there is a valuable lesson from this psalm because it tells us something of the sequence that should characterize the pattern of our thinking when problems overwhelm us. Guys, listen to me. The Bible doesn't indicate that we're going to have great, victorious, triumphant, sanctified, glorified, heavenly thoughts and emotions automatically every time we face a crisis or we find ourselves in a strait. No, when we talk about the peace that passes all understanding, we don't mean that it's going to be fired down from heaven in laser form, just like a missile, every time bad news comes to our doorstep. It doesn't happen that way at all. No, let me tell you something, church. Inner composure and strength comes to us as we struggle and work our way through the difficulty. We first find ourselves overwhelmed by the hard situations of life. And they come to all of us. You're not exempt from it. If you haven't faced some hard times, brother, hang on because they're coming your way. But when that happens, we deliberately remind ourselves that whatever, whatever happens in our life, God is still on the throne. And no matter what the devil throws at us, our God is bigger and he can shelter us under the wings of his omnipotent hand. And so what do we do? 
We don't crawl up in a fetal position and go back to bed and pull the covers over our eyes and don't think like this is never going to happen to me again or it's not happening to me. No, we face it. We go directly to the Word of God. We visualize God's protective shelter over us. We remember that our God is a rock that is higher than we are. We remember that He is a tower that lifts us up to a higher plane. We remember from the Word of God that we can abide with Him in His tabernacle and we can hide under the shelter of His wings. And that knowledge, biblical knowledge, received and mixed with faith is what transforms our spirits and gives us strength so that we can sing praise to God and get back to living. And people who get this, people who master this process, well, somehow, somehow they seem to have the ability to stay thankful in a grumbling, complaining world. You tell me, how in the world can we grumble and complain when we're hiding under the shelter of his wings? So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Just gather it all up. Gather up all the stuff that's overwhelming you. The financial difficulties, the health problems, the family problems, the job problems, your own mind problems. Just gather them all up. Put them in a little bag. And trot on down here to the altar. Let's just lay them before the Lord. Say, God, I'm overwhelmed. But I know today you're my rock. I'm climbing up into your tower. I'm in your tabernacle. I want to hide under the shelter of your wings. Help me, Lord. Can I tell you something? If you will do that, you'll walk out of here a little different than the way you walked in. So let's get with it you're here today and you've never been saved let me introduce you to jesus he can change your life you need to accept him today as your lord and savior have your life transformed by his power so that he can become your rock your tower your tabernacle and find shelter under his wing heavenly father help us today to make the decisions we need to make and for those who are struggling with real life i pray that they would just come and Lay it out before you. Lord, we are overwhelmed by life at times. Help us to find comfort and shelter under your wing. Lord, for those, uh, those who need to come and pray, make, make it just easy for them to step out and come, realizing that we're all in the same boat and we all need help. May your presence be felt in this room. May we leave by praising your name because because we've realized you are our rock you are our tower you're our tabernacle and we're under your feathers in Jesus name amen I'm going to ask that you stand as soon as you stand up just step out come on join me here at the altar and let's give it all to the Lord would you as they sing you come and pray
With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't do this every Sunday, but I feel led by the Spirit to do it today. If, if you're standing there and you're just, you feel overwhelmed, you got some real problems you're dealing with, and you've been talking to the Lord about it, but you, you would like your pastor to pray with you, I would be honored to do that. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to ask you what the problem is. If you want to talk to me, you can. But what I do want to do is pray for you. So if, if you would just let me know by raising up your hand. You're overwhelmed and you want to say, Pastor, pray for me. You lift up your hand and keep it up just for a second because I need to look through the whole building, okay? Just, just for a second, leave it up. Just leave it up. Keep it up there just for a second. Just keep it up for a second. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, please be with my friends today who who feel overwhelmed. I don't know what their issue is or their problem is. I don't know what they're facing, but they do. And Lord, you do. And I pray that today, this day, and through this week, they would get one of these images in their head that their God is a rock. Their God is a tower. Their God is their tabernacle. He is like an eagle who wants to spread his wings of protection over our lives. And so I pray for my friends who are feeling overwhelmed. Give them the strength they need for today and for the days to come. I love you, Lord. I love this church. I love everyone who is here. Bless us and help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a moment, please. Thanks again for being here. When, when you walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Appreciate that. Remember that next Sunday, our entire offering is going to go to world missions, all right? We're going to do one of these give it all Sundays. So everything you give as far as your tithe or offering is going to go to world missions. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my normal tithe, but I'm going to add some to it because I believe in world missions. I know every single foreign missionary that we support is Free Will Baptist, and I believe in every one of those, those people who are out there serving God, whether it's in Bulgaria or Japan or, or France or Spain or wherever it may be. They are really good people, and you've met some of them. They've been to our church before. So let's give willingly next week. You say, well, preacher, how, how's our church going to make it if we give a whole week's offering to World Mission? God's going to take care of us. I, I believe that. I believe he will. So you just come boldly and present your gift next Sunday, and it, it's going to be awesome. 6.30 tonight, uh, Brother Nathan's going to be sharing a Bible lesson online. You can watch. Come back Wednesday night. We have services for all ages. Those of you adults who will be in here, I really invite you to come back because one of my best friends preacher by the name of Randy Wilson is going to be here. Randy pastors the Bethany Free Will Baptist Church, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And even though he's in Oklahoma, he's a great guy. <laughs> he's an excellent preacher.
preacher, and he's going to come and be our guest and, and share with us. So please, come back. You'll, you will hear a good sermon this Wednesday night, okay? Uh, Brother Nathan's got a bunch of pews over in the old sanctuary. He's trying to, to uh, move out, and so he's got, pick a pew, uh, pick up a pew, and just through a simple donation, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks, you can have an entire pew, and I know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I know some of you are emotionally attached to a pew over there. Uh, you, you just, I mean, you loved your pew and you got kicked off when somebody else sat in your pew, so you've claimed it as your pew. Well, take it home with you. Move the couch out of the living room because I know you slept better on those pews than you probably... No, our, our teens need that whole room in there. They're moving the pews out. So see, Brother Nathan, you can, you can buy yourself a pew, and, and it'll be a great thing. This Saturday, a couple of big events are happening. Uh, in the morning, the men are going to have a, a prayer breakfast. It's going to be good. See, see Brother Stacy about that if you'd like to come. And then at 10 o'clock Saturday morning, uh, Jack and Terry Franklin are celebrating 50 years of marriage bliss and they're going to do it out in our great hall, our four-year. They just invite you to stop by at 10 o'clock and, and wish them well. And uh, I know they would appreciate it. Tomorrow, school starts here in Fort Smith. So that means that Kavanaugh Children's Center will open tomorrow for school. They've been preparing all week to have record attendance for this year, for this coming school year. And uh, Danny and, and Catherine have been working hard along with all of our ladies and teachers. And at 2 o'clock today, they're going to have open house. So whisper a prayer for them today at 2 and also tomorrow as they have school. You know what? That was my sermon in synopsis form. So, Love you guys. Hope you have an awesome week. God bless you. Get out of here.